Hello. We are so glad that you could join us today. Our prayer is that as you listen to the word, you would take this time to draw nearer to God as an individual and as a family. God loves you so so much, and his desire is for you to get closer to him in this season through worship, through dwelling in his word and prayer. Well, good morning, and once again, so blessed to be able to stand before you and bring to you the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel is just that. When we are faced with challenges, when we are faced with the uh, attacks of this age, when we are faced with how to live our lives, God didn't leave us in the dark. In fact, God gave us a blueprint. He gave us the Bible. He gave us the Word of God. And he said that through the foolishness of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, preaching the, the good news, that he would use this to turn the hearts of men to him, to cause a ministry of reconciliation, and that through the word of God we would grow, we would mature, we would become all that he wanted us to be. So this morning, uh, as a pastor, I'm very aware of the challenges that we are facing and some of the things that maybe some of you are going through. And I'd like to try to reach down into your heart. I'd like to reach into the scriptures and see if we can't find a place where God can give us some direction today. And so the title of my message is Overcoming the Distractions of This Current Age. Now, during this time when there is such provocation in the world, we must be careful to avoid being caught in any of the enemy's traps. The primary way in which the enemy motivates and traps individuals uh, is through doubt, anger, fear, or guilt. Now, I've dealt with these tactics of the enemy on many occasions. So I, I don't want to go into great detail today on the enemy's use of those devices. Suffice it to say that the devil is the master at catching people in nets of fear, cages of guilt, snares of doubt, and traps that produce ungodly anger. But there's a much more subtle attack of the enemy. Distraction. During this season where we are being bombarded by so many voices and so much information, misinformation and disinformation, we must be diligent to put ourselves in a position to not allow the myriad of voices to lead us into distraction. Whether we encounter political and medical agendas being driven by big pharmaceutical companies and by the military industrial cartel that often puts profits before people, or whether now we see the governments becoming more authoritarian and uh, more totalitarian in their approach, willing to impose more and more regulation on populations, removing personal freedoms and owning or controlling all forms of commerce. It is during such times as these that there must be a concerted effort in the minds of believers to know on which foundations they are building. Now, this will help us to stay focused on the things that will ultimately produce life in our lives, we must not allow ourselves to be distracted from the source of our life. You see, if the enemy can get our minds distracted from the Father and can get us focused on our distractions, <laughs> then he can control us. 
as we look at our world today, there's a large portion of the population that are already controlled. Now, while they look awake, they're actually sound asleep. You know, I, I experienced a microcosm of this just the other day. I walked into a room of about 20 people and they were all head down looking at their cell phones. Not even one person looked up. Oh, they were all awake, but sound asleep. Totally distracted. If we're not careful, our minds can become highly diluted. Diluted by the distractions of this world. Our enemy is the master of creating distraction and confusion. He has been effective against mankind since the beginning of time. In fact, it all goes back to the Garden of Eden, where he distracted Adam and Eve, which led to their deception and their destruction, along with the destruction of all mankind. The greater the distraction, the more possible for the enemy to move in with influence and suggestions to move you and I off track so that he can lay claim to us, lay claim to our very lives. We must not allow ourselves to be distracted and moved from our purpose and away from the God-ordained path that God has called us to walk in. In fact, Ephesians 2, verse 10 says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You know, there's a way to walk. In fact, in the early church, the early Christian church, uh, they were called the way. The believers in the early church were known by unbelievers as those who followed the way. Uh, in fact, the early church was often referred to in that manner. They, they, the, the, uh, if you'll read through part of the uh, book of Acts, it says that uh, they persecuted the way and those who were in the way. In fact, it kind of reminds me of a joke one time. There was a, a woman, and uh, she used that terminology. She was an elderly lady, and uh, she had become quite a gossip and quite a trouble in the church. And uh, when the pastor, a new pastor, tried to gently correct her, she says, I have been in the way for nearly 40 years. And the pastor says, yes, I know. I'm trying to help you get out of the way. And uh, it was a joke, but the fact of the matter is sometimes... Uh, the way is uh, the wrong way. But in this case, it was the way. In fact, because the early church uh, was referred to in that manner, uh, it was what distinguished them. And I believe as followers of Jesus, we should also be able to stand out as those who are following the way of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are our lives so different from the world's way that those who know us or see us they're commenting about us? Are they looking at us and saying, ooh, that man follows the way? Or have all the distractions of the world made the way, or their way, I should say, into our lives? You know, quite frankly, I don't think many Christians look any different than anybody else. There's nothing that distinguishes us from the next guy. Because the world has infiltrated our way, and we do not really represent completely the way. So let me just stop and, and, and just think about something for a minute. If we are not going to be distracted, then we're going to have to do something a little bit differently. 
I believe we're going to need to live soberly. Now, when I use this word soberly, it's not just talking about being free from drunkenness or intoxication. We're speaking about having a sound mind. A mind that is centered on Jesus, our coming Messiah. In fact, 1 Peter 5 and verse 8 says, Be sober-minded, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 6 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments or vain imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity to the obedience of Christ, the Messiah, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now, we must understand that the fleshly realm is not where we can meet and defeat our enemy. Though we walk in the flesh, the Bible says we do not war in the flesh. Fighting with the true enemy is not like fighting or having an argument with somebody you have a problem with. Because it's not a physical fight. We do not war against Satan according to the ways of the flesh. Our weapons are not physical. They are powerful because they come from the power of our Father which is in heaven. Our weapons, our spiritual weapons, are able to pull down strongholds, the Bible says. Now, a stronghold, by definition, is a cause or a belief that people hold on to strongly. You know, I, I, I see so many people today that have never really studied things. They've never really gone into depth looking at something. But they have these opinions, strong opinions. And boy, if you butt up against their opinion, uh, they, they don't want to be confused by the facts. They just want to hold on to the strong, strong opinion. It's a stronghold. You know, and you know, sometimes it's kept because of fear. Sometimes it's held on to because of unbelief. Sometimes it's just easier to go with the narrative that you know, governments or uh, the news media or... Uh, those everybody else is saying than it is to actually study, debate, talk, and look at something. This verse tells us that you and I are able to cast down arguments and bring down everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So I want you to understand that this warfare is really centered around the mind. And we're being instructed by the Apostle Paul, we must bring every thought into the captivity or into the obedience of Christ. Now, do you think that our enemy doesn't know this? <laughs> he knows what we need to do to defeat him. So where do you think he's attacking and counterattacking in our lives right now? Our enemy doesn't want us to control our thought life. He doesn't want us to bring it under obedience to Christ and his word. You see, the devil is constantly appealing to the flesh, the flesh, our flesh. And he wants us to walk with, in distractions. In fact, he's offering all kinds of distractions to our flesh to keep us from doing the very thing God tells us to. Why? Well, if our enemy can keep us moving in our flesh and less in the spirit, he knows he can keep us 
from bringing our thoughts or our thought life into the obedience of Christ. You know, sometimes we can even be distracted by the good things that are taking place in our lives. Uh, we can be blessed. Our relationships can be good. Our businesses are on track. Even our marriages seems like it's picking up. But we must not allow even these blessings to distract us from our source of blessing. Hebrews 12, verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher, one version says, it, the perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. It's amazing how when good things begin to happen, our thoughts can shift from God to ourselves. We can easily be distracted to look at how good we're doing or how blessed we are. Thoughts about ourselves that begin to eclipse our thoughts of Him and of serving and loving Him. In the book of uh, Kings and Chronicles, we see the story of the kings and we see the story around the children of Israel. And, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. It, 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 it's a pattern. And I think it's the same pattern in our lives. When they served God and He blessed them, as the blessings became greater and greater, they often would then somehow forsake God and return to idolatry. Then, when they were deep in idolatry, the cycle would turn back again and they would begin to seek God again. And when they sought God, He would bless them. But it seems just as the blessings or the abundance or the whatever it is, they forget God and they go back into their idolatry. They go back into sin. I've seen this cycle in some of our lives. Some of the members of our church. When things are tight, when they're pressed on every side, that's when we seek God. But when blessings overtake us, now we're so busy being blessed we have to get to the lake. We have to go hunting. We have to do fishing. We have so much that we have to do. We don't have time for the one who brought the blessings. We're too busy running our businesses. We're too busy with our, and I, the Bible, Jesus taught about this. He says he called a great banquet. And one guy said, hey, I've got a new field. Another guy says, hey, I've got a new wife. Another guy, I have a new yoke of oxen. I got a new Mercedes. See, when we're so focused on the blessings, we sometimes forget the one who blessed us. Every blessing in our lives is not about us, but about serving Him. Have you ever taken a time to do an audit of the things that you allow in your life that might be placed there by the enemy to distract you? Has the enemy deceptively moved in? And have you taken your eyes off of the Father, off of the author and the perfecter of your faith? It seems to me, anyway, that as the end of time nears, the events of the day are becoming more dramatic. More and more people are self-destructing and being given up to their flesh. The enemy is taking hold of those who are weak. And that's why it's imperative that we are even stronger and that we walk according to our convictions. You know, we've got to get a strong grip on our mind. Here's a question. Could we be seeing the beginning of the separation between the wheats or the wheat and the tares? 
You know, it's easy to identify true believers these days. But we must remember what Jesus said. In Matthew 10, verse 16, he says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. See, we have to be wise. Do not let the temptations and distractions get the better of us. Regardless of what form they come in. Regardless of how enticing they are. As believers, we must understand that the enemy is directing his attention at you and I right now. He's constantly working to get us off track. He's looking for a foothold or a doorway in our lives. That's his sole purpose. His sole purpose is to move us away from the Father, from abiding in the vine, from having life through God flowing in our lives and through us. He doesn't want that. So I want you to remember something, though, because this can feel negative sometimes when we see how powerful or how deceptive or how much distraction the enemy can throw at us. But here's good news. In 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, the Bible says this, There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. Now, a few weeks ago, I spoke about not letting anything come before Jesus in our lives. We cannot allow our lives, our families, or anything else to take the place of Jesus in our lives. If something has our focus besides Him, it's a distraction for some of us, even when we begin serving Jesus. Serving Him can become more important than our focus and relationship with him. When that happens, it's a distraction. I heard a pastor say it this way one time. He says, I was so busy doing the work of the Lord that I neglected the Lord of the work. Boy, I'll tell you, for pastors, for those of you that serve a lot in the church, and I'm so grateful for all of you that do, I'm not saying don't serve. <laughs> what I'm saying is, don't neglect the one who gives you the power to serve. Don't neglect the one who is empowering us. Don't let your service become a distraction. You see, if we're going to be effective for the Lord, we need to have a time when we draw near to Him, when we bring our thoughts into obedience to His Word. We need to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd, the Bible says, and not follow another voice. Or, for the sake of this message, don't get distracted by other voices. Listen to Luke 10, verses 38-42. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me alone to serve? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Can you see, Martha wasn't an evil person, but she was focused on serving Jesus and making him comfortable and preparing food and doing all those hospitable things. But then she got agitated and bothered by her sister who was neglecting 
helping and serving and rather sat at the feet of Jesus listening to his words. Jesus explained that all the things that Martha was complaining about was, what, was, was not what was needed. But what Mary was focused on was needed. Now, although we are given purpose and have tasks that must be done for his kingdom, that cannot replace our time of personal Bible study, personal prayer, uh, reading the Bible, meditating in the scriptures, and focusing on him, hearing his word, either through the Bible, through our study, or through the spoke, how he speaks through our hearts by his Holy Spirit. I think in this time, it's very imperative that we do not be distracted from the Father, our Father, that we do not take our eyes off of him. The Bible te teaches, it says, that we are to uh, give our attention to those things that are above and not beneath. I think it's important that we think of heavenly things. I think it's important that we think of the scriptures. I think it's important that we, that we meditate in, in the word of God. I think it's important that we spend time with our Father, which art in heaven, and hallowed his name. In fact, in this year's word of the year, we said it is the year to hear the Father's voice. You know, I don't think I can impress deeply enough on you or even my own heart the importance of hearing the Father for ourselves at this time. You know, we don't need to run to every prophet on every corner to hear a word. In fact, that's a distraction. Today, what we really need to do is we need to take time to hear our Father for ourselves. You see, our enemy, he's so deceptive. The Bible says he's like a roaring lion, seeking those he can devour. And he's working very hard to distract believers from taking time to hear the voice of the Father. This is important. Listen to this. I believe that those who take their eyes off of Jesus will fall. Just like Peter was given the ability to walk on water, as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, as soon as he took his eyes off of Jesus and became distracted by the wind and the waves and the things around him, he began to sink. This will be us if we don't get our focus right and keep our eyes on what matters. I, I know that the world is changing and things are coming at us so quickly and that it's almost hard not to be distracted. I, I'm actually shocked by how many believers have stopped reading their Bibles, stopped believing what the Word of God says about healing, how many have stopped seeking out fellowship with other believers. In fact, the Bible warns that uh, when these end times, these perilous times would occur, it says the love of most will grow cold. I, I could never figure out how that was going to happen <laughs> until today. Now I see that all this distraction, all of this disinformation, all this misinformation, all this information age has distracted people from looking at the Father, looking at the Bible, looking at the Word of God, having real fellowship, and their love is growing cold. For you and me, as believers, now is the time to refocus and to look to Jesus. It's time to take our eyes off of the distractions of this world so that we don't get confused. Now, 
I, I want to just bring a little bit of balance here. And I want to qualify what I am and what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we will never be distracted. <laughs> Boy, I'll tell you what, this world is so full of distractions. We get distracted on a daily basis. But what I am saying is that we must make it our practice to redirect our hearts and minds back to Jesus, back to our Messiah, whenever we find that we are being distracted. The enemy will tell you that being disobedient in certain areas is not a big deal. <laughs> but let me encourage you, that thought is the thin edge of a wedge that can lead to a separation that's deadly. We must redirect our thoughts back to being obedient to the will and the word of God. We need to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. See, God has a work to do in you and through you. And the devil will do all he can to distract you. He does not want you to fulfill God's plan for your life. The devil wants to distract you. He wants to control your thought life. It's important to be careful what you allow your mind to dwell on. Be careful what you allow to be suggested to you through television and social media. Be careful when you say you're going to relax. Not to put your brain into the hands of the enemy. He'll take advantage of you. I've watched so many people, they say, oh, I've worked so hard, I've done this, I've served so much, and then they go on vacation. And they never recover from their vacation. They, they go on vacation, they do things on vacation that they would never do any other time. And they put their hands, their, they put their brains in the hand of the enemy. They put themselves in and do things that they would never otherwise do. And he takes advantage of us. Be careful what company you keep and the conversations and suggestions that they present to you. They may be unknowingly working for the enemy to get you off track and to get you distracted. You know, the Bible warns us, bad company corrupts good morals. 1 Corinthians 5.11 says this, But now I have written unto you, not to keep company, if any man is called a brother, and he be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such an one, know not to eat. That's a powerful scripture. He's saying if there's a brother that has these faults, these traits, why, why does God say that? Why does the word say that? Because we become what we behold. We become what we associate with. And if you're associated even with a brother who has slipped into those kind of sins, let me tell you something. The unclean has more of an effect on the clean than the clean do on the unclean. And God says, don't have anything to do with them. Don't eat with them. Don't, don't, don't spend time with them. He says, because they will taint you. They will cause your heart to be moved. He says it again in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 14. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, mark that man, note that man, have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. You know, I'm always shocked at how many believers hang around other believers that are really just full of corruption. They're thieves, they, uh, they commit adultery, they commit fornication, they are drunkards, they're revelers. And then we just think it's okay. Oh yeah, well, he's my friend. No, 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 the Bible says don't go around him. Why? Two reasons. One, that he may be ashamed. And two, that it protects your heart, your mind, that you bring down every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So we have to be on guard and put a guard on our hearts so that we'll not fall into temptation and fall away. 
Don't give up on your convictions and your faith because you feel like things are moving too slowly and you begin to be impatient. Don't allow yourself to fall into sin. Eey, that'll set you back. You know, sometimes people fall into sin and think, well, I'll get out of it. Yeah, let me tell you something. Sometimes the fall into sin is forgiven, but the consequences of it is a huge setback to you. Now, this morning's message is really a wake-up call for all of us who call ourselves believers. I'm warning us, do not become distracted and fall asleep. The enemy is lulling many into a sleep. We must realize that we're in the heat of the battle. The enemy will not sleep, so we must give ourselves no rest. Listen to these words. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 through 11. I don't think I could depict it any better. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child. And they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep, as do others. But let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep at night. And they that be drunken, are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. You see, we're being warned that we must be awake, that we must be sober, so that his day, the day of his return, doesn't come upon us and overtake us like a thief in the night. We must keep our lamps lit and our oil reserves full. We must be ready. We must not be distracted. We must not be asleep, but waiting for his return because our redemption draweth near. I'm so concerned about so many that have fallen to this distraction. This distraction of the enemy in the world. Right now, maybe you're listening to this message you say, man, that's me. Maybe you saw yourself in more than one of those situations that I spoke about. Well, right there on the screen, there's a phone number. On the other end of that line is someone, a man or a woman, who can maybe not help you directly. Maybe they can. Many of them are very, very, they're trained counselors. They're able to pray with you. They're able to encourage you. But they all have information that can direct you to somebody who can help you. We can get you to a pastor. We can get you to a cell group. We can get you into one of our men's meetings. We can get you into our women's groups, the roots meetings. We can help you find singles. You know, so many young people today are just thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do. We have 400 singles in our church. We can help you find a single relationship. Maybe not for marriage, but at least a bunch of singles that can go do things for the kingdom. We have divorce care, divorcees, 
for uh, older people, younger people. There's a hundred ways that we can meet each other's needs. But we need to reach out, especially in these times. And if not, I'm afraid that many of us will be distracted. So pick up your phone, make that call right now. And uh, for those of you that uh, are listening to this message, and maybe you've never given your life to Jesus, maybe you've never received Christ, boy, that's the starting place. Without Jesus in your life, you're on a road full of distractions. In fact, your whole life is distractions. The truth be known, if you can feel no guilt for the sins that you do, you're not saved. You know you're sinning. But even today, God may be convicting you of your sin. The Bible says that we can repent. We can ask Jesus to come into our heart. And so doing, he gives us a relationship with our Father. Your spirit is born again. And that process of becoming a disciple, that process of moving from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his dear son begins. And it all starts when you, from your heart, believe and from your mouth, declare that Jesus is your Savior and your Lord. I'm asking you to think about that. If you pray that prayer, if you pray, there's no special prayer. It's just a connection from your heart and in your mouth that says, oh God, I need you. The Bible says, those who call upon the Lord will be saved. If, if you call upon him right now, if you turn this program off and you kneel down by your bed or your couch or wherever you're at and you say, God, I need you, he'll hear you. He'll hear you and he'll come into your heart. It's not about joining a church or a religion. It's about coming to know Jesus. If you do make that prayer, again, I'm going to ask you to call someone on the other end of that line and, and tell them, hey, I prayed. Because they'll be able to give you some steps that you can begin to take to secure yourself, to begin to be a disciple the disciplines of becoming a believer. We love you. I'll be back here again next week. And uh, in, in the meantime, this week, let's focus on renewing our minds, casting down vain imaginations, and avoiding every distraction. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that you were blessed and that God will continue to transform your life in this season. If you have a testimony or need prayer and counseling, please send a WhatsApp or a call me to plus 263-784-303900 or plus 263-717-459999. We want to hear from you and we're here for you and are ready to listen to you, to pray for you and to celebrate with you. So thank you. We love you and stay safe.